The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here are your top five at five. We begin with holding the line. The Federal Reserve says accommodation is still its fiscal policy as it forecasts a stronger economy and higher inflation ahead. Then... Stocks seeing a Fed rally on that move, with the Dow crossing 33,000 for the very first time. And troubles for Lorestown Motors, they're continuing to grow as the SEC steps into the EV maker's fray with one high-profile short seller. And AT&T announcing it's pulling the plug on keeping HBO Max users from caps on data and deadline delay. If you haven't filed your taxes already, don't fret. You're certainly not the only one. The new deadline the government is giving you to get your returns in. It is Thursday, March 18th, 2021, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. And good morning. I am Frank Collin in for Brian Sullivan. Here's how your money and the global markets are setting up their day on this Thursday. Stock futures a bit mixed, actually. Uh, looking right here, the Dow poised to pop very slightly at the open. Really important to note, the Nasdaq looks like, at this point at least, it's going to open up more than a percent down. Now, all this after the Federal Reserve pledged to maintain its easy money policies as the U.S. economy, it recovers from the damage of the COVID-19 pandemic. Much more on that in a moment. Uh, back to the Dow. The Dow closed above 33,000 yesterday, just five days after the average closed above 32,000. That is the quickest 1,000-point milestone on record. The S&P 500 also closing at a new record. And we got to take a look at the bond market post the Fed meeting. The yield on the 10-year right now, it sits at 1.728. Keep in mind, yesterday it opened at about 1.66. Let's go worldwide now. Stocks in Asia ending their day broadly higher on the heels of that Fed decision. The Nikkei and the Hang Seng both climbing more than 1%. Turning our attention now to the early trade over in Europe, also a mixed open over there. We see the DAX looks like it's going to open. Uh, DAX actually gaining more than a half percent. Remember, the early trade there as well. The Bank of England also set to deliver its latest policy decision at the top of next hour. Now to the morning's top stories. Lorestown Motors says it's received a request for information from the SEC for allegedly misleading investors. The agency is seeking more details surrounding the claim by short-selling firm Hindenburg Research. Hindenburg revealed last week it had taken a short position in Lordstown, also accusing the automaker of using fake orders to raise capital and claiming that its upcoming truck is three to four years away from production. Shares of Lordstown are lower in extended trading. CEO Steve Burns says the company is cooperating with the SEC and the board of directors has formed a special committee to review these matters. The FAA says it plans to inspect several of Boeing's 787 Dreamliners amid production issues. The agency says it will look at four of the planes rather than delegating that work to the company. Boeing disclosed issues with some seams on the aircraft back in September. 
The increased scrutiny of the Dreamliners comes just four months after the FAA lifted the nearly two-year flight ban on Boeing 737 MAX. And Apple could be preparing to release a new series of iPads. This is according to Bloomberg. The tech giant could unleash the devices as soon as next month. The report says those new iPads will be part of Apple's high-end iPad Pro line and could feature improved cameras, a faster processor, and a new type of display with improved brightness and contrast. Now turning our attention to the nation's capital, Washington, where Congress is set to take up legislation addressing a key policy priority for the Biden administration, that's immigration. The move comes as the U.S. faces the biggest surge of migrants at its southwestern border in decades. Tracy Potts, she has the very latest from Washington. Good morning, Tracy. Hi, Frank. Good morning, everyone. Separate from what's happening at the border, and we will talk about that. Uh, Here in Washington, lawmakers are trying to figure out what to do about undocumented immigrants, including DREAMers, already in this country. It's not even clear if the Senate will take this up, but the House has scheduled two votes for today. Two immigration bills are up for a vote in the House of Representatives today. Legal status for farm workers and citizenship for DREAMers as the Biden administration scrambles to house 4,000 unaccompanied minors at the border. The Homeland Security Secretary says it's not a crisis. A crisis is when a nation is willing to rip a nine-year-old child out of the hands of his or her parent. 40 Republican senators wrote the Government Accountability Office complaining about President Biden freezing border security funding. We don't believe they're following the law. This is money we appropriated uh, for border security, including uh, the border wall. Also today, a House hearing on hate against Asian Americans after eight people, including six Asian women, were shot at Atlanta-area spas. There is bigotry in the land, and far too much of it. As authorities investigate whether this was a hate crime, the nation's first Southeast Asian vice president is speaking out. We also want to speak out in um, solidarity with them and, and acknowledge that none of us should ever be silent in the face of any form of hate. And the nation's top doctors are back on Capitol Hill today with an update on covid and vaccines. While we have recently seen reductions in cases and deaths, we must remain cautious. What else do we see? The CDC will issue new guidance on whether students in the classroom should be three or six feet apart. And we're also expecting to find out in the fall if high school students can be vaccinated. Health experts are saying their vaccine should be ready in the fall. One for younger students should be ready early next year. We expect to hear the president speak about vaccines later today. Frank. Yeah, Tracy, I'm sure a lot of parents are eager to hear that news. Um, A lot of people also believe that one key to managing this COVID pandemic and crisis is getting an HHS secretary confirmed. Any sense of when we could see that happen? Could happen today. We're expecting that Senate confirmation vote uh, today for Javier Becerra, uh, the attorney general, perhaps soon to be the former attorney general of California, nominated as HHS. This is a key part of the Biden strategy of dealing with COVID. And while it only requires a simple majority, Frank, uh, this is expected to be a tight vote. He is expected to be confirmed, uh, but it's expected to be a tight vote. All right. We'll certainly watch that one. Tracy Potts in D.C. Thank you. All right, turning our attention back to the markets and continuing to watch stock futures just one day after Fed Chairman Jay Powell. He told investors the central bank will maintain its policy of accommodation until the job's done. 
I would be concerned by disorderly conditions in markets or by a persistent tightening of financial conditions that threaten the achievement of our goals. Um, we think the stance of, our, of monetary policy remains appropriate. Uh, our guidance on the federal funds rate and on asset purchases is providing strong support for the economy, and we're committed to maintaining that patiently accommodative stance until the job is well and truly done. And joining me now is Grace Capital founder and CEO Kate Faddis. Kate, I know you just heard the soundbite. We also want to ask you about the Fed's funds futures. They're pricing in a 90 percent chance of a rate hike by 2023. That's from an earlier deadline of December of 2022. Is that good news for stocks? The rate hike is probably not good news for stocks. Good morning, Frank. How are you? But I think what the Fed said is certainly making investors cheer. I think the biggest thing I heard yesterday, which was very positive, is they're going to continue with the asset purchases. Remember, they're going to be buying $40 billion of mortgage-backed securities a month, $80 billion of uh, treasuries a month. At this point, they're backstopping mortgage-backed securities, treasuries, corporate bonds, and they're going to do what is necessary for the stock market. Kate, good morning to you, too. I'm sorry, that, that press conference just got me so fired up. It was so scintillating. Um, <laughs> on a serious note, um, while Chairman Powell was clear, he isn't that worried about rising rates, not really concerned about inflation that he called transitory. He was very concerned about certain parts of the economy being left out of this recovery. He specifically mentioned people of color and the hospitality sector. How do you see the Fed addressing that? I think those factors are going to uh, those factors will keep the rates unchanged. I think until he sees a lift, I mean, he specifically mentioned uh, minorities, blacks, Hispanics, uh, the service sector, restaurants. And he specifically said those people, those factors have not taken part in the recovery. And I think until we see a lift there, which he just called slack, just general slack. So he really focused on long term unemployment rates. He really would like to see he stated actually full employment, full employment, sustained inflation above 2 percent. So I think I don't see rates going up anytime soon. Interesting. Um, I also want to talk to you about Powell saying that he, there's an intent, at least, to buy 80 billion dollars in Treasury and 40 billion dollars in mortgage backed securities per month. How do you see the markets reacting to that if they do follow through? I think the markets are going to cheer. I think the party in equities continues. I think now I understand there's been a sector rotation. You're seeing that even this morning with uh, NASDAQ down, uh, uh, S&P up. However, I think we're still in a growth trajectory in a general sense. This move away from uh, uh, growth into value, I think, is transitory. I think you don't overstay your welcome at the party. You've made a lot of money in uh, banks. Uh, uh, energy, industrials, material stocks. I think those are trade. And I am not giving up on the NASDAQ yet, just yet. So we know that we know that stimulus checks just went out one point nine trillion dollars flowing into the economy. How do you see that impacting this trend of retail investors actually kind of moving the markets? Do you see that continuing? I do see that continuing. And, uh, and uh, it's some of what's going on with the NASDAQ, frankly, and even with the 10 year Treasury uh, continuing to, to go up uh, with the yield curve continuing to steepen, I think you're seeing institutional investors hoping to wash out the retail investors and bring some discipline. I think this retail trend is going to continue. Um, the retail investors are too small to move the market. 
However, I believe they're triggering some of these algorithms, mm. which then are moving the market and causing a lot of problems for institutional investors. I think institutional investors are very unhappy with the whole Reddit revolution, but I think they're here to stay. I mean, I, one of the big telling moments for me is I can't tell you the number of my friends who call me and tell me their, their kid is an investment genius. <laughs> oh, my God, my, you know, my son, he's an investment genius. He keeps giving me these hot stock ideas and he gives me the idea. And the next day, the stock doubles. I think the retail investors are, are hooked. All right. I think genius has been used liberally in recent days. Kay Fattis, great <laughs> stuff. Great having you on. Thank you. Thanks for being here this morning. All right. Thank when you. we come back here on Worldwide Exchange, the Biden administration is set to hold its first high-level meeting with China today. We'll go live to Beijing for what leaders there are seeking from Washington. Plus, the morning's big stock movers, including what's fueling the big gains in shares of Williams and Sonoma. And getting back to business, we talked to one bar owner about his strategy for surviving government restrictions one year into the pandemic. A very busy hour is still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. 19 past the hour, a live look at New York's Times Square, where there is an AMC theater among the other attractions down there. And speaking of AMC, the company has announced plans to reopen nearly all of its theaters in the coming weeks. The company saying 98 percent of its U.S. theaters will be operating by tomorrow with 99 percent back online the following week. The last remaining theaters it has left to open are mostly in Southern California. The move marks a symbolic milestone for the movie chain that avoided bankruptcy during the height of the pandemic. Shares of AMC, they are higher in the pre-market on that news. Now, turning our attentions to bars and restaurants, the ones in New York that now face COVID restrictions and shutdowns for one year. The day before St. Patrick's Day, just a year ago, Governor Cuomo announced that bars and restaurants would have to shut down. That left many owners scrambling ahead of one of the city's biggest holidays for bars and restaurants. Just one year later, outdoor dining as well as takeout and delivery have offered ways for bars and restaurants to survive. We're now joined by Lorcan Phelan, owner of two, bub, two pubs in Long Island, the James Joyce and the Irish Times. Good morning, Lorcan. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Frank. Thank you for having me. So I would normally say thanks for being here after a really long night, but I want to ask you, what was St. Patrick's Day like this year? And most importantly, what were your alcohol sales like? It's no secret. It's generally a drinking holiday. Well, actually, Frank, it was very, very different for us this year. We definitely saw more food sales than we did alcohol uh, this year. Typically, yes, the St. Patrick's Day would be associated with a drinking holiday. 
but with the to-go food uh, and the to-go model that a lot of restaurants and pubs have adapted to over the year because of the restrictions and having 50% capacity, um, it was it was different. So, um, yeah, I mean, towards the end of the night, the younger crowd definitely does a little more drinking, but this year was definitely more food-orientated. And it's great to hear that we have 75% occupancy coming on Friday in two days. Yeah, I'm sure that's a big relief for you. I'm, I'm sure you, you wish it would have been two days sooner for St. Patrick's Day. Um, let me ask uh, you, how, yeah, how have you adapted to the changes? You mentioned takeout for food and for alcohol. Does that allow you to kind of generate the same revenues as you would if you had full capacity? No, it's, uh, it's nothing close to what you would do in-house. Our, um, we're a service-based industry, and especially people want to get together. Um, yes, we've adapted with more to-go food. We've adapted with outside dining. Um, I think we've also adapted to it well. You have less staff, so your 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 owners, your um, long-term serving staff members, they're working a little bit more. Yeah, we'd love to get more people working, but it's been a condensed workforce that is doing a lot more work. Um, and again, we, we you have to get back to full capacity to get back to normal. And I do hope that we're heading in that direction very, very soon with, you know, more people getting vaccinated and the restrictions being lifted. You know, speaking of the vaccine rollout, um, it appears to be going fairly well here in the U.S. We're seeing a lot of progress. How much is your ability to keep both of your bars open tied to this vaccine rollout being successful by June? Well, we just have to follow the rules. We, we, you know, the social distancing, the wearing of masks, um, both employees and having our customers do the same thing. Uh, you're hearing more and more about the vaccine rollout and our industry um, has been one of the industries too as well that's been prioritized. So that's fantastic for us. Amazing. So uh, obviously this St. Patrick's Day is much different than last year or actually last year was terrible because everything shut down. But back in 2019, what are you seeing going forward for bars and restaurants as the vaccine rollout continues and for your particular business? Um, well, I definitely, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said very different from last year. Last year was, oh crap, what do we do with all this food? What do we do with all this beer? And at least this year, we were a lot more prepared for it. Um, with the rollout of the vaccine, I think people are going to start feeling more comfortable, um, will want to get back out. So I think there are definitely better times ahead for all of us. We've all banded together. I'm part of a local restaurant association. We all banded together um, to help each other out. We were able to serve uh, frontline workers at local hospitals here. Um, the ingenuity of people in the restaurant industry and service industry is absolutely fantastic, and I'm very, very proud of everybody. We have good times heading back. Um, people are going to get vaccinated, and it's, it's going to get better. Lorcan, wishing you the very best. I know that James Joyce is out there in Patchogue. I know a lot of people head out that way to go to the beach in the summertime. So I'm hoping they stop by there, maybe grab a pint and something to eat before they head out to the, to the beach. Good luck with everything. Thank you for being Sounds here. Sounds absolutely fantastic to me, and thank you, Frank. All right. Let's get a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the very latest. Hey, good morning, Philip. Hey, Frank. Good to see you. Good morning. A new wave of fear reignited in the Asian-American community after a gunman's rampage left eight people dead, including six women of Asian descent. 
The suspect, 21-year-old Robert Aaron Long, was ultimately caught later that night, more than two hours south of where officials say he first opened fire. When authorities released this surveillance photo, relatives they immediately recognized the suspect and called police. Long has been charged with eight counts of murder. Officials are not calling this a hate crime, but not ruling it out either, saying it's still early in the investigation. And we're getting a new look this morning at the devastation caused by storms across the south. Several homes were completely destroyed in Billingsley, Alabama. The winds there were strong enough to flip cars and tear down walls. Families spending the night searching through the rubble for their belongings, and there will undoubtedly be more damage to assess when the sun comes up. Finally, billions of tiny creatures are headed above ground for a visit, and we haven't seen them in almost 20 years. Cicadas will come to the surface across dozens of states starting in late April or early May. The insects come from underground every 17 years to become adults, mate, and then repeat that cycle all over again. The last cicada boom was back in 2004. That was when Facebook was still brand new, so they will be emerging to a much, much different world. Frank, back to you. Worlds, 17 years? I don't know. How, how does that work? Every 17 years? That's, that seems strange. That's how they figured it out in their world. So you can, they're going to be loud, uh, but they are harmless. But there's going to be a lot of them. So just heads up. Very interesting. All right. Every 17 years, I can't wait for it. Uh, Philip Mena, enjoy your day. Thanks for being here. All right. Same All right. to you. Still ahead, the Federal Reserve staying put on its policy as it talks up an improving economy and higher inflation. Wells Fargo senior economist Sarah House, she lays out the path forward for the central bank. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. And the CNBC Inclusion Forum is set to take place today, examining strategies and initiatives for organizations to create equity for all. Join TIAA's Roger Ferguson, Errol Investments' Melody Hobson, former SEC chair Roel Campos, and many more. Check out the full lineup and register now at cnbcevents.com slash inclusion. We will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Good morning. The power of Powell, what the Fed chairman said and why stocks popped on the news. A developing story. The Biden administration set to hold its first face-to-face meeting with Chinese officials today. We're going to talk to expectations. Plus, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, he's applauding Congress. We're going to tell you why. It is Thursday, March 18th, 2021, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back. I'm Frank Holland in for Brian Sullivan. Here's how your money and investments look right now as we're halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. Stock futures mixed, kind of a mixed start to the day. The Dow in the green, but the Nasdaq, important to note, 
looking that it could open up as much as a percent lower. This after the Federal Reserve pledged to maintain its easy money policies as the U.S. economy recovers from the damage of the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll have much more on that in just a moment. Let's also take a look at the bond market. Right now, the 10-year sitting at 1.729%, the yield on the 10-year. And as we watch that 10-year yield rise, tech stocks, they are again coming under pressure. Among the biggest NASDAQ pre-market losers this morning, DocuSign, Tesla, and Baidu. Now turning back to the Dow, the Dow closed above 33,000 yesterday, just five days after the average closed above 32,000. That is the quickest 1,000-point milestone on record. The S&P 500 also closing at a new record. Also want to take a look at the price of Bitcoin amid the Fed reaffirming low rates. Right now, the crypto sitting at 58,284, up slightly this morning. Turning our attention to corporate news this morning. Google announcing plans to invest more than $7 billion in offices and data centers across the country with $1 billion focused in California. The tech giant expects to create at least 10,000 new full-time jobs in the U.S. this year. And AT&T is going to start counting HBO Max streaming against customers' data limits starting on March 25th. It had previously been exempting viewership of its streaming service. The company says the change comes after a federal court upheld California's net neutrality law and adds it will impact users outside that state because, quote, the Internet does not recognize state borders. And Jeff Bezos is thanking members of Congress for introducing the American Dream and Promise Act. The Amazon CEO taking to Instagram yesterday to call on lawmakers to pass a legislation aimed at creating a path to citizenship for millions of immigrants known as dreamers. All right, turning our attention back to the Fed's latest policy decisions. Speaking yesterday, Chairman Jay Powell saying the central bank will wait to see real changes in the economy before making any major moves. The fundamental change in, in our framework is uh, that we, we're not going to act preemptively based on forecasts for the most part. Um, and we're going to wait to see actual data. And I think it will take people time to, to adjust to that and to adjust to that new practice. And the only way we can really build the credibility of that is by doing it. All right, for much more, let's bring in Sarah House, senior economist at Wells Fargo. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Frank. All right, so Jay Powell said he's not too focused on forecasts, but you and I, we're going to talk about some forecasts. The uh, (laughs) statement of economic projections, that's where a lot of the excitement was yesterday. What was your take on the upper revisions of inflation and especially that GDP forecast? Right. So we really didn't see any meaningful changes to the statement. So we saw some small tweaks upgrading recent activity, but nothing in terms of where the Fed is thinking that that outlook is evolving. So when we look at the summary of economic projections, that's where we saw the action. So you saw some significant upgrades to GDP growth this year. You saw unemployment falling at a faster rate and getting back to its pre-pandemic low by the end of 2023. And important Certainly, you saw inflation move up where they're looking for core PC inflation to get about 2.2% by the end of this year and stay at 2% or a little bit above in the out year. So they do expect that we are looking like they're on track to meet their their goals of inflation moderately exceeding um, 2% for some time, but not breaking away, which kept the overall uh, median for the dot plot in, in 2023 keeps most of Fed officials still on hold through 2023. Yeah, important. You said most of Fed officials see it staying on, on track for 2023. Um, some officials pointed to higher rates. 
How do you think Jay Powell responded to that? And we're seeing the Nasdaq down um, about a percent in futures this morning. Do you think that the tech sector will continue to respond negatively to these rising rates? Well, I think just looking at the overall outlook for for rates and, and what that dot plot showed is it did make a nod to the fact that we are looking at a stronger growth environment. We are getting closer on on the Fed's inflation goal, but we're still we're still not there yet. And as the clip you played indicated, the Fed need, needs to actually see this progress. And so we're still a ways away from the point when we think that we'll actually get rate hikes. So we think that the Fed's on hold at least through 2022 through our forecast horizon. And even as the, the outlook has improved, it looks like Fed officials feel feel the same. And, and again, you know, 11 out of those 18 officials are still looking that like they think that rates will be on hold through 2023. So we're seeing the recovery begin. Um, things are definitely picking up. How do you see the rest of 2021 uh, testing the Fed's new framework? Well, I think you'll really see that test when it comes to inflation. So we have a lot of price pressures building right now. Most of that's concentrated in the goods sector right now, given the bottlenecks and supply chains, the strong demand that we've seen in goods spending and, and transportation issues related to that, get, creating those supply chain bottlenecks. But we think that services inflation is going to heat up this year as well as the economy more fully reopens, as you do have all this pent-up demand and consumers are flush with cash right now. And so you're really going to see it on the inflation front. But I think the key test will be what happens when we look ahead to 2020. Uh, 2022, 2023, is this just a temporary pop or is it going to be something more persistent that pulls expectations higher and, and the Fed actually has to address? Right now, the Fed is looking at it's mostly going to be transient, that it's just going to be this, this temporary burst with reopening. But if we do see inflation expectations drift higher, and in addition to seeing actual inflation above 2%, then the Fed is probably going to have to address that sooner than they've, they've currently laid out. But there's still a lot of uncertainty around that, and a lot could change in the coming months. Uh, I think you're putting it lightly. Certainly a lot of uncertainty with the vaccine rollout and everything else. Sarah House, chief economist for Wells Fargo. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks All right. Turn our attention to the political sphere. The U.S. and China, they set the, they are set to hold their first major meeting under the Biden administration later on today in Alaska. Ahead of that sit down, both sides are downplaying expectations of what will be accomplished. Yunus Yun is live in Beijing with much more. Hey there, Yunus. Hi, Frank. Well, the Chinese delegation has arrived in Anchorage. And as you said, um, even though the ambassador to the U.S. has been downplaying the expectations, uh, saying that one dialogue isn't going to be enough to solve all of the issues between the two, uh, there is still hope, um, as the foreign ministry said today, that the U.S. is going to meet China halfway. So from Beijing's perspective, uh, that means that the U.S. understands that there's going to be no compromise on what China sees as some of its hot buttons red line issues, such as internal affairs, the foreign ministry today said, uh, that's Hong Kong, for example, security or China's development goals. Now, where they can compromise or at least cooperate with the U.S. is on uh, climate change, the world economic recovery, as well as the fight against COVID-19. What China is hoping to see at this meeting, as well as beyond, uh, to try to work together with the United States is for 
for the U.S. to lift sanctions on Chinese firms as well as scholars, abandon what Wang Yi, uh, one of the uh, Chinese top diplomats who's there in Anchorage, had described as an irrational suppression of Chinese tech, and for the U.S. to remove, quote, unreasonable tariffs. So uh, the background, though, of all of this um, uh, Frank, is really that, that China is pushing very hard to be able to develop its own technology. Um, that's been in its five-year plan, very important for the government. Um, and then also one thing that came out as well was that uh, the, the Chinese foreign ministry said that the U.S. and China uh, shouldn't really expect uh, for uh, Biden and Xi to um, have a meeting themselves, or at least that's not what the Chinese are hoping for. It's like the same old tensions. Is there any one point that these two are discussing that could reduce these tensions significantly? Um, well, there has been some discussion that maybe on a lower level, uh, some of the um, low-hanging fruit, for example, some of the, the perhaps like visa issues can be worked out to try to move things forward. Uh, but at the same time, it's looking like it's going to be really, really hard because you are seeing sort of a clash of civilizations where uh, China does want very much to uh, be able to build up its technology and it wants time. And one of the other issues that we've already seen is that China has described this as a strategic dialogue. They want this to be the first of many dialogues. The the U.S. says that this is just a one-off. So, uh, you know, there's been a, a, a concern that um, among a lot of China watchers that China just wants to be able to talk and continue to talk and continue to talk as a, a delaying tactic in order, you know, as opposed to really working together to try to, to, to push through some of these hard issues that the U.S. as well as other countries and trading partners of China want uh, China to do and change. Well, the saga continues, Eunice. Eunice Yoon, live in Beijing with the very latest. We appreciate it. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the new hurdles, the AstraZeneca pause is presenting to developing nations amid the global push to inoculate citizens. But first, as we head to break, some of your other top stories. Good news, if you haven't filed your federal taxes yet, the IRS is postponing the April 15th deadline to May 17th, citing challenges from the continued pandemic. But that extension only applies to your federal taxes, not your state returns. Robinhood is bolstering its executive team, hiring a Google veteran as, as its first chief product officer ahead of its highly anticipated IPO. Aparna Chenapragada spent 12 years at Google leading product, engineering, and design teams. And Peloton and Adidas are teaming up on a new line of athletic apparel and lifestyle gear. The companies say the merchandise, which is the start of an ongoing collaboration, will include items like shorts, hoodies, t-shirts, all that kind of stuff for between 30 and 85 bucks. Worldwide Exchange is back in a moment. Worldwide Exchange, a live look at the White House. Big day in D.C. today. Immigration will be discussed on Capitol Hill. Also, members of the Biden administration meeting with Chinese representatives in Alaska. All right, turning our attention back to the vaccine rollout, the European Medicines Agency is expected to release findings of their investigation into the 37 instances of blood clots seen after doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine in Europe. India's Serum Institute is contracted with AstraZeneca to manufacture a billion doses of their vaccine for developing nations and has already exported millions of doses. But with a dozen European nations pausing their rollout of the vaccine, damage may have been done to the reputation of AstraZeneca's jab all around the world. Joining me now is Silvana Sinha, founder and CEO of Prava Health in Bangladesh. 
Silvana, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Good morning. So big day with these European regulators releasing their findings. So if there is an issue or if there's just any lingering questions, what would it mean for the rollout of vaccines in developing nations? So first of all, I think it's really important to note that the WHO continues to support distribution and use of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And, you know, so far there's been no scientific evidence presented of the linkage between the 37 people who've unfortunately suffered blood clots after having the vaccine out of the 17 million that have received the vaccine. So we're, we're still waiting on that evidence. However, if there is such an adverse scientific finding, it will definitely have an impact on um, the achievement of herd immunity across Europe and across emerging markets, where 80% of the world lives. Um, the, there'll be really two impacts that I can see very directly. One is obviously in supply of the vaccine, and two is in vaccine hesitancy, which has already taken effect this week, to be honest with you. On supply of the vaccine, um, you know, it'll it'll directly affect supply and distribution across Europe, as well as across emerging markets. Gavi and COVAX have purchased and begun distributing the vaccine and have planned for additional procurement of hundreds of millions of doses across the world. Um, the commitment that COVAX has made to see 2 billion people vaccinated by the end of 2021, which would protect all elderly and at-risk populations in emerging markets, would not be able to be met because AstraZeneca is such a big component of that plan. Um, on vaccine hesitancy, the decision we've seen by the you know a dozen or so European countries already has exacerbated vaccine hesitancy across emerging markets. And even if there's no link found, to be honest, the damage has already begun. All right, important to note, COVAX is the WHO program to get vaccine to developing nations. Um, speaking of developing nations, great stat from you here. Not a great stat, but a, a, just an eye-popping one. Three out of four wealthy nations, like the United States, they've begun vaccinations, while less than 4% of low-income nation, income nations have started their vaccination programs. Is there a global impact, an economic impact, a public health impact to this disparity when it comes to developing nations? Absolutely. There's both a global uh, global economic and public health impact. Um, this issue of inequality in vaccine distribution, which, which you just highlighted for us, it's estimated to possibly cost the global economy $9 trillion. And uh, half of that economic impact, $4.5 trillion, would be experienced actually in wealthier countries. So um, there's a very direct cost here that we will experience if we don't figure out how to address this issue of vaccine inequity. Um, dozens of low-income countries are still waiting for their first vaccine distribution, you know, whereas in contrast, 20% of advanced economies have already been vaccinated. Even within countries, um, we're seeing that there's a lot of inequitable vaccination distribution happening. There's been coverage of this in the U.S. and the U.K. in terms of socioeconomic, racial and gender disparities. I'll share that from Bangladesh, where my company is, is headquartered, um, twice as many men have been vaccinated as women. Hmm. So we really have got to keep an eye on this issue of inequity, um, both globally and within our economies. So, Silvana, we're running out of time. Before I let you go, I do want to ask you specifically about Bangladesh and South Asia. Um, has, has there been a difference in the uh, COVID-19 impact there uh, when you compare it to the rest of the world? It's a great question. There definitely has been an impact on the economies uh, across South Asia. But I'll, I'll say that Bangladesh's economy has been quite resilient. Bloomberg even named it one of the most resilient economies of 2020, growing at 4 percent 
against the backdrop of the global recession. Um, it's still half of what the growth rate was in 2019, um, but it's, it's still impressive, I think. And this is for various reasons. We've seen hospitalization and death rates for COVID appear to be lower across South Asia. And immunologists and scientists are studying the reasons why. But I'll just share an interesting reference point. There's been studies done in urban slums in Mumbai and Dhaka, two super cities uh, in, in South Asia, where 60 to 70% of slum dwellers are actually testing positive for COVID antibodies, but we never saw any hospitalizations come out of those communities. And so there's various potential reasons. It could be due to the youth of the population. It could be due to the immunity. Um, to H1N1 or, or gut microbes that these communities have. So interesting stats there's still a lot there, we're learning about the virus. Thank you very much. Silvana Sinhas, founder and CEO of Prava Health. Thanks for being here. Well, Thank on you for deck, having me. Reading between the lines, what investors should make of Fed Chairman Jay Powell's latest comments. But first, March is Women's History Month, and we're spotlighting some of our CNBC contributors. Here's Boston Private Chief Investment Officer Sh Shannon Sakosha on Breaking Through Barriers. We need to see more women in the seats that are meaningful in the corporate world, CFOs, CTOs, CEOs. And we need to no longer accept that as we break through a particular barrier, that we should be happy to be there, just happy to have a seat at the table. We need to keep our foot on the gas so that female leaders that come behind us can start from day one in making an impact. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange on this Thursday morning. Here's a look at what to watch in the day ahead. On the economic front, weekly jobless claims will be released at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Poll forecasters are looking for 700,000 first-time filings in the latest week, down 12,000 from the previous period. And then later on today, two well-known companies are set to post their quarterly results. We're going to hear from FedEx and Nike after the close. Analysts are looking for FedEx to report earnings of $3.35 per share, that would be up 137% from the same quarter a year ago. As for Nike, investors will hear about how the consumer company is recovering from the pandemic, even with stores in Europe still dealing with restrictions. E-commerce will also be an area of focus. All right, turning back to the markets, after the Fed said it does not expect to hike interest rates through 2023, joining me now is Invesco Global Market Strategist Brian Levitt. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Frank. How are you doing? So I got to ask you, uh, Fed Chairman Jay Powell's news conference, were there any surprises in it for you? And what were your takes? What was your is your take on his comments about transitory inflation? Yeah, so there were no surprises on my end. Clearly, you look at the 10-year rate today, and, and maybe the bond market was expecting something a little bit less dovish, and, and obviously rates moved as a result of, of, of how dovish the comments were. But this is a Fed that's been very transparent, telling us that they expect to keep interest rates low for the foreseeable future. They are not ready to taper asset purchases yet, and they do believe that inflationary pressures are transitory. I mean, the reality is there's if the vaccines continue to go as as they seem to be going, if we can prevent another wave, there's a lot of demand set to hit to the economy and, and short term inflation could be in store. As a result of that, the Fed wants to see through that. And, and they do believe that the long term structural forces haven't changed. We're far ways away from full employment. So they expect to keep policy easy uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, let's talk about the present for a second. The 10-year yield above 1.7. That has a lot of people on Wall Street nervous, I'm sure. Uh, what signals are you getting from the bond market, and how do you think they're being received by the regular markets? So the bond market is telling us that this recovery trade and this reflation trade that we all expected 
coming into the year is is now actually happening. And and in many ways, that's a good sign, right? I mean, it's a, it's a much better environment than when interest rates were at 50 basis points in August. We're sitting here in August saying, God, we we hope we can see inflationary expectations moving higher. We hope we can see the real economy picking up momentum. So rates moving back to where they were, closer to where they were at the beginning of, of 2020, isn't unexpected. It's a bond market telling us that this recovery for trade, this reflation trade um, is happening as, as economic activity picks up. All right, let's talk about that reflation trade. This morning, we're seeing the NASDAQ definitely take a hit. We were just showing some of the hardest hit stocks on the NASDAQ. Where, where do people, where, where should people put their money as we continue to see this uh, interest rate environment? Well, for more tactical investors, um, you know, over the next months, we would continue to favor that recovery trade. So, so what does that mean? That means the more cyclical parts of the economy. It means the more value-oriented parts of the economy. Um, it means the more smaller and mid-cap uh, parts of the market. It, it probably means some pressure on the dollar and emerging markets performing well. I mean, that's what you would expect in the recovery trade. The, the question that investors need to ask themselves is, is, is the word trade the operable word there? Uh, because, you know, in order to continue to think that the deeper value parts of the market are going to continue to be winners, you'd have to believe that the U.S. economy is moving to a new higher sustained level of growth. The way I'm viewing this is more of a reversion back. That's what reflation is, a, a reversion back to where we otherwise would have been. Where do you go from there? I believe we're still going to find ourselves back in a pretty modest growth environment once all this fiscal support starts to moderate in 2022 and 2023 once all the pent-up demand finds its way into, into the economy. Um, so if you find yourself back in a modest growth environment, then investors are going to be right back favoring those structural growth businesses. So this is a point in time where they're, they're under some pressure. Value stocks uh, rise to the fore because we're in the recovery phase of this cycle. All right, Brian Levitt, we appreciate that insight. Thanks for being here this morning. And that Thanks, does it Brian. for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.